We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world in both the ring and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who make him the boxer and the man he is. It's all about the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, family life, all that good stuff. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays right here on Blue Wire. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Welcome to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. And to help me preview the Chicago Bears this week, we have Brad from Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Brad. Brad, how are you? Doing great, Billy. How are you doing? Doing well. So Brad's obviously, he's just joined PFF recently this summer, but he's also uh, covers the NFL, the financial side of it, did some work at Over the Cap. Uh, but he's been a big Bears fan for a while, so it's good to have you. Uh, it's been a pretty interesting season for the Bears. Quite tumultuous, I, I would say. But at the same time, they're getting results. 
Uh, I mean, their point differential at this point is kind of low, but hey, a win's a win, right? You know, I guess a W is a W. Uh, this, this could be wrong, but I want to say um, they have for four and one teams, they have like the second worst uh, point differential, like historically. It, it may not be that bad, but it's like it's definitely top five or top ten. So I want to say that yeah, plus six through through five games now. It's definitely been tumultuous, definitely been up and down. Um, I mean, three huge comebacks already through five games. It's it's been uh, it's been tough for the heart, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, an interesting thing, I'm looking at football outsiders, their DVOA metric currently has Chicago at 23rd in the NFL. So, I mean, that kind of speaks to a little bit of the inconsistencies with this team. They're, they really haven't been able to put a full game together. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess you can say in some ways the Giants game was probably one of their better games from the first quarter to the third quarter, but then they let the Giants come back at the end. So, you know, in my mind, I have really no, I, I have no idea what to expect with this team. I mean, they've had a longer break now because they played on Thursday night. But it's – I mean, it's interesting. I mean, what are you expecting from this team with this long, longer layoff, 10 days uh, coming uh, into I do think the week? That, yeah, I do think the 10 days should be big. Um, this could be optimistic. But I, I do think that even though I've kind of always been of the belief that this was supposed to be Foles' uh, team, you know, from day one, and maybe that got complicated. But anyways, you know, he's obviously – he's really only made one start now, uh, and it was a Thursday game, you know, after he came in midway through a game before that. So you, you got to think or, or maybe hope if you're a Bears fan that, all right, 10 days of full preparation um, against, in my opinion, one, one of the weaker defenses – you better hope you see, you know, consistent, as you mentioned, not just three quarters, not just two quarters, but a consistent, you know, 60 minutes of, of quality offensive football. Um, and they're really moving the ball, consistent, you know, well throughout the game because you need to see that against, you know, a weaker defense with a 10-day, you know, rest period. Sure. So let's dive straight into the offense. Since they've made the switch to Nick Foles, I'm wondering if you've seen any type of difference uh, than what Trubisky is bringing. Obviously, Mitch is more mobile, so he can bring an element on the ground. But as far as the passing game itself is concerned, what have been the notable differences in your eyes? Yeah, so the two big things with Nick Foles, um, and I think this is why he was brought in, is that he's getting the ball out way faster. Uh, His average time to throw is one of the lowest in the league and Trubisky's going into his final game was actually the highest in the league. It was over three seconds uh, and and full so far. I know his first game was about 2.2 seconds, you know, average time to throw. Um, You know, the NFL average is around two and a half maybe, but but you have a lot of guys that are um, getting the ball quick, like a Phil Rivers with with the Indianapolis Colts. And it just allows your playmakers to get in space um, and make the plays for you. And I think that's the offense that Matt Nagy wants to run. Um, you know, I don't think he wants the quarterback to be, to be doing all the work. I think he wants a lot of yards after the catch. I think he wants a lot of misdirection and stuff like that. And just kind of it's more about what Foles brings before the snap, getting the offensive line in the right place, getting his receivers in the right place. Um, then, then honestly, it is after the snap. I, I really do think it's more about what he brings mentally than what he's really bringing physically um, except for one thing I would say is just his ability to hit the occasional deep ball. He's not going to hit every single one, but he's willing to throw it always, and he does connect on occasion. And you're, you're already seeing defenses respect that and sink a bit, um, and they can't just key in on runs because they have to respect the pass, which I don't think they were doing in the past. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's certainly a fascinating point. I think 
it's too much and, and i get guilty of this too you, you see the viral clips of him missing some pretty open throws that like we saw on thursday night but at the same time he was rather efficient in that game he did make some pretty big plays and big moments on third down or fourth down to help them win so I, I do think that he, he probably isn't too flashy. I mean, he's your traditional dropback quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you certainly make some sound points. I want to switch over now to the offensive line because it, it does seem like the Bears have a pretty talented roster on offense. Uh, I mean, Massey, Massey and Leno have graded out pretty well, according to Pro Football Focus this year, those are your two tackles. What's that dynamic been like? The offensive line is interesting. I would say personally, I think those grades, if you look at it on a game-by-game game level, uh, they graded pretty well early in the year when, when they were playing, as you mentioned, the Giants, you know, who have no edge rushers, uh, the Falcons, who were, who were without Tech McKinley, so in that game, had, and Dante Fowler played about 40% of the snaps, so they had no edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, then they started playing, you know, they played the Colts and the Bucks, who have, you know, good defensive lines. Uh, and those grades have started to trend downward. So I don't think it's a bad offensive line. Um, I think it's like an average um, offensive line, and the tackles are both average. And I wouldn't, you know, from a contract perspective, I think, honestly, both are on decent deals because you're getting average play for, you know, a middle-tier tackle contract, and that's not bad at all. Um, You'll take that any day. But I think the big thing to watch this week is probably going to be James Daniels was lost for the year, Bears left guard. Uh, I think I want to say a torn peck. Um, and that's a pretty big loss in the interior of the offensive line. Uh, the backup last week was Alex Bars, who was a undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame last year. Um, and he struggled the first snap uh, against the Bucks. He let up a sack. You know, he got blown up. I think it was Vita Vea, unfortunately, before he also got lost for the season. Um, but the interior of the offensive line is probably going to be your, your trouble area going forward, um, you know, and if a defense wanted to exploit that, you know, I guess Kawan Short's injury also kind of coincides. But I think the interior is where you want to attack this offensive line. Uh, you know, you make a good point because it's interesting. Uh, Carolina's defensive interior is not very potent at rushing the quarterback, uh, especially with Short out now. I mean, Short was like their one traditional three tech. Now they're relying on guys like Zach Kerr. I know there's few other like guys who I can't even think of Bravion Roy and Derek Brown are mainly one techniques nose tackles and they haven't really shown a propensity to rush the passer I mean they've done some good things in a run game here and there but I mean it's certainly an issue I mean I raised that during the offseason uh, Carolina's inability to rush from the interior is a problem so maybe you know, guys like Daniels and White here they can have a bounce back game this week uh, especially when it comes to pass blocking but for Carolina, I think it's you know a pretty big issue heading into this week. Yeah, no, I hear you 100% there. You know, Derek Brown, um, you know, obviously young, so we'll see if that develops in his game, but not known for getting after the passer on the interior. Um, yeah, so, you know, Brian Burns is probably going to have his work cut out for him, and he's probably going to need to bring that, that, that pressure. Because uh, I do think this offense, with time, um, you know, they can, they can move the ball fine. They're, they're not going to light the world on fire. But, you know, if Nick Foles has a clean pocket um, – they have enough weapons. Eventually, one of them is going to get open. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it does look like uh, Brian Burns and um, – well, yeah, I mean, according to Joe Person, who's one of the beat writers, he did say that Burns did practice in some capacity today, albeit he was limited. Uh, but, yeah, he suffered a concussion last week. Uh, he didn't practice yesterday. So, I mean, that's pretty encouraging if you're a Panthers fan. 
I mean, I'm very curious though, like how have they done the Bears, I should say, with these, uh, with, with the edge rushers they've faced? Uh, obviously, I mean, the two weeks before they had Justin Houston and Indianapolis, and then last week, Shaq Barrett and JPP. Have their tackles held up reasonably well, or are they do they struggle? You know, I would say that they they've had their their lapses for sure. Uh, I mean, Houston. There was one snap where Houston just embarrassed Charles Leno in the, in the Colts game, but for the most part, they're going to hold up. I, I think, and honestly, again, this isn't totally a cop out, but it really comes back to the Bears are going to try to get the ball out so fast that that, that tackles playing against edges don't matter as much. Um, I mean, they also haven't faced a speed rusher. I would say like Burns, like they face kind of some more bulldozer edges. Um, we haven't really seen a guy like. I believe Burns would line up opposite Massey. I could be wrong there. Um, like, I think he would have a pretty good shot of beating him around the edge, and I think he will. Uh, it's a good point you mentioned, though. I did, I did uh, see he, he was on the concussion protocol or, or was being monitored for a concussion after the last game. So, mm-hmm. obviously, got to be careful there. But I think they're definitely exploitable. I, I, you know, I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're going to get abused any, any week. But they're definitely not like a strength, I, I would say. And they're definitely – you can scheme pressure up against the team, and, and you can definitely – make them uncomfortable um, if you show them some different looks. Sure. So let's transition to the skill t- uh, position. And I, first I want to start with the running backs because I, there were some reports that Le'Veon was – or I, I don't know if I saw any substantial reports. I thought I saw something that the Bears could be interested in Bell. Uh, but it looks like he just signed with the Chiefs. But Montgomery and uh, Cohen, I'm not, I think he's injured. Montgomery – What's the situation like right now in the with the rushing department for the Bears? Is it are they mainly just rolling with David Montgomery for now, or is there a rotation that Nagy likes to use? We finally saw the first true workhorse outing from David Montgomery. You know, I think he's built to do it. I think they're not uncomfortable doing it, um, but it was his first time. I want to say he played about eighty-three percent of the snaps last week. Uh, Cohen, you know, Tree Cohen was lost for the season. Um, and they did add Lamar Miller, but he's still recovering from a torn ACL, and he's actually still on the practice squad. He's not quite being called up just yet. So, you know, I do think they're going to try to transition back to more of a stable, but I would imagine this Sunday against Carolina, you're going to see a healthy, healthy dose of, of just David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and funny enough, I think the guy that could have changed that uh, will be the running back starting for the opposite team, which is Mike Davis, uh, who the Bears signed to be their backup last year, but obviously cut, uh, and he found his way to Carolina. You know, it's funny. I've always been a big Cordero Patterson fan, and I've seen the Bears use him as a traditional running back at times. But do you feel like that's also an option for them at times? Definitely. And and he did get a a bit of an uptick, Um, but he's still you can tell they're not totally comfortable with him in the backfield for more than maybe a dozen snaps in a game, maybe even less than that, maybe, you know, half a dozen. Um, You know, they're definitely deploying him all over and, and they like, you know, getting him the ball. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of, you're not going to get more than like five carries uh, specifically, you know, out of, out of him in a given game. Or at least we haven't seen that so far. That makes sense. So moving over to tight end now, and the bears are obviously the grunt of a lot of these tight end jokes this off season when they gave Jimmy Graham a big contract and then they used uh, their first draft pick, which was in the second round on Cole Kmet. Uh, Graham's been surprisingly productive. I'm just not sure how well it's translated into his overall play uh, because it looks like his, some of his gradings are a little mediocre, but he does have four touchdowns on the season. 
And Foles, he's always been a big you know, fan of using the tight end. What has your impression been on not only Jimmy Graham, but the tight end unit as a whole for Chicago? It's been an interesting unit. You know, it was kind of this this funny joke in the offseason that they had like a million tight ends. Um, and they did. I mean, I think they really it was it was honestly like one of the worst position groups, you know, you, you could see in an NFL team last year. Like they had, I want to say like a hundred receiving yards total among the entire position group. Uh, and by the end of the year, it was more about using guys as H-backs to block in the run game that, like, they weren't even being deployed as receivers because basically the new teams weren't even getting respected because none of the guys were even good enough to to run routes or, or catch the ball or run after catching the ball. So they really, really, really addressed it. Um, but by, by, by cut-down date, they had a normal allocation of tight ends. <laughs> um, and, and now the focus is definitely um, – you know, Jimmy Graham, he has been productive, but really – He's just a red zone threat, um, which is which is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing, but the touchdowns are because he he's gotten some great one on one matchups in the red zone and and basically caught three jump balls. Um, I mean, one of them was gorgeous though. He had a, he had a one handed catch with a receiver in his face, so you know, no complaints there. Um, but you know, but beyond him, it, it's still a little thin. Uh, Demetrius Harris is probably still playing ahead of uh, Cole Komet. Uh, Demetrius Harris with the Chiefs previously, he actually was with Matt Nagy with the Chiefs. Um, so he's the inline guy while, while Graham runs routes as the, you know, the U or the move tight end. Uh, and then Komet is still kind of slowly getting worked in as that, the inline tight end of the future. Mm-hmm. But he only has like one target on the season. Like you're not, you're not going to be worrying about him. You know, as a Panthers fan, you're not worried about, you know, who's covering Cole Komet. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought he was a decent prospect coming out. I thought the Bears drafted him. Maybe a little too high, and especially given the resource allocation for them, I thought it was a little questionable. But I do actually think he will, in time, be a serviceable player. And finally, the final position I want to look at is wide receiver because Allen Robinson is obviously the biggest focal point for opposing defenses. But at the same time, Anthony Miller has made his presence known the last couple of years. Ted Ginn, uh, I was a big, pretty big signing of – a uh, pretty big fan of this signing when it happened. Um, you know, many Carolina fans remember him, his time pretty well here. He did some really good things in 2015 with Cam Newton. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, what's the dynamic like for this receiving room? Because, you know, Robinson's certainly going to get all the attention, but I do believe from what I've seen that the that opens up potential targets for not only – Miller, but Darnell Mooney, who's the rookie from Tulane, who I liked a lot in the draft, he's certainly been surprising. Yeah, it's been it's a very interesting wide receiver room. Um, I mean, A. Rob is still your clear cut wide receiver one. You know, that's he's matchup proof, he's quarterback proof. He, he's just A. Rob. Um, so, so, so that hasn't changed. But yeah, I mean, honestly, Darnell Mooney has has already supplanted Anthony Miller as the wide receiver two of this team. Um, I mean, he's outsnapped him. I, I want to say every game since week one, he's outsnapped him by like a substantial amount. Um, you know, 15, 20 snaps more on offense than Miller. He's probably out targeted him if, if I had to guess as well. And, and you're going to see a lot of him, um, I would assume. Um, and then beyond that, it is interesting though. So Miller is your slot guy. Um, still a productive player. Still, still a solid player, but. They're running so much 12 personnel and 13 personnel with, you know, two and three tight ends that, you know, like I said, week one, that meant Mooney was coming off the field. But now that means Anthony Miller is coming off the field. So, um, you know, when they do go to a, a more wide receiver set, you're going to see those three guys and then a little bit of Javon Wims. Um, 
is kind of the fourth receiver. The, he's, the, he's the guy behind A-Rob, the other big, you know, possession wide receiver. They, they bring a lot of different skills to the table. Um, I think it, it's kind of smart how they're being deployed this year. You know, Mooney's kind of your speedster, um, you know, a bit of a yak guy. Um, Miller just, get, just gets open. I mean, the guy is just shifty as, as can be in the slot and just gets buck naked open. Um, and then, you know, A-Rob is, is the jump ball guy. So it, it's been interesting to see how they've deployed each with, with kind of very different skill sets. And, and so far it has worked. Um, you know, again, though, the key just being, you know, get the ball to these guys in space and let them do, do, do more of the work, I think is what's going to be more important going forward. I think the big issue with this offense and, and the way to open it up um, is to stop with, you know, curl routes and, and routes where they're stopping and, and hit these guys in stride. And I think that we're going to see more and more of that uh, the more we see Nick Foles. Before I finish up here with the offense, what – because when Matt Nagy arrived, the Bears' offense just went from, you know, the stale Dowell Logans and John Fox era to something that was pretty innovative and exciting. And obviously last year I think we can attribute some most if not a decent amount of the issues with the quarterback play. What does Chicago – and Matt Nagy need for this offense to reach the levels that they saw in 2018, or even if they want to reach, you know, a, a level even higher than that. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, um, it's just going to be continuity and rhythm. I think for the first time you're seeing this offense where like, you know, how plays are built on top of other plays and you can kind of go to looks because, you know, you've already shown a certain look a certain number of times and you get familiar with, with coverages and you get familiar with what a defense kind of keys in on and what you like to do. Um, you kind of build your, your, your bread and butter plays and stuff like that. Like, I really think it's more this. I know I just said 800 NFL cliches in like 10 seconds, but the personnel of the uh, for the Chicago Bears has been there. Like, outside, you're swapping in Nick Foles for Trubisky, everyone else, it's pretty much been set. You've had Nagy for three years now. The offense is, you know, they, they've changed coordinators and whatnot, but the offense is, is pretty much the same with Nick Foles. It's, you know, West Coast, you know, run, run, uh, RPO, not as much so far, but I think we'll probably see that increase as well. But end of the day, I really just think continuity, um, chemistry, and just, and just building a rapport and building just kind of like that, that, that kind of backlog in your mind of, of plays that you've hit on and, and just things you've done well. Um, we'll just kind of rise, you know, you know, whatever the expression, the tide will rise all boats and everyone will play better and the offense will just improve overall. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important now than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit for free at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
Yeah, sure. Man. That's certainly um, you know a fascinating and correct point. So moving over to the defensive side of the ball now, and th- this is coordinator Chuck Pagano's second year in charge of the unit after he replaced Vic Fangio. And, and I want to start first with just the overall direction of the defense. I, I, I mean, the last time I remember Pagano coordinating a team was back in Baltimore, but Baltimore has always had good defenses. Um, you know, coincidentally, the Bears have too, but – what has he been like for the unit as a whole? Has he continued a lot of the same principles that Fangio had? What type of imprint has he had um, just on a schematic level? Yeah, Pagano's been interesting. Um, I, I even think last year, his first year this year, has been a little bit different so far. Um, so he, he does like to, to play a lot of cover six and, and, and quarters coverage and, and a lot of zone, um, which we definitely saw from, from Vic as well. Um, and, and it's all about... You basically only want to bring your four rushers, your, your four D-line minute, and then you just want everyone else to drop back in coverage. Um, and Pagano, for the most part, has done the same thing. Um, I think this year in particular has been interesting, and I, I don't even know if it's a difference between Pagano and Fangio, but Eddie Goldman, uh, the Bears' nose tackle, opted out uh, this, this offseason um, you know, for COVID, and I, I think it's kind of just changed how they do everything on first and second down because he really – just plugged the, the interior of the offensive line, you know, the opposing team and, and allowed guys to operate around him. Um, and they don't have that anymore. So like, you know, and Akeem Hicks has less space to, to work potentially and, and maybe the edges can't fire off as much. So they've been playing like some five, five D line looks, um, bringing Bilal Nichols and, and Roy Robertson Harris, two young guys onto the field, um, you know, doing, you know, interesting stuff like that, uh, you know, bare fronts and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, I do think they have the same philosophy. I, I mean, they want to get after you with, with ideally four guys, um, you know, Quinn and Mack and, and Hicks and, and whoever else is rotating inside. And then they really want to sit back in, in nickel, a uh, ton of nickel. They're, they're playing. Pagano is also now taking Danny Trevathan off the field for a safety on third downs a lot of the time. Uh, so it's one linebacker looks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's coverage is king, and, and it's all about generating pressure without bringing extra guys. Uh, and the occasional blitz, I think Pagano definitely blitzes more than Fangio. Fangio hates the blitz, um, you know, relative to the NFL. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty similar. And, and I think it's smart because I think they're, they're kind of coaching to the personnel. Um, you know, Eddie Jackson's back doing more Eddie Jackson things. I, I think Deshaun Gibson plays better opposite Eddie than did uh, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Um, you know, he can be a bit more in the box and, and allow Eddie to truly just roam free like he's best doing. Um, but yeah, you know, for the most part, I think similar philosophies, but they just kind of had to respond to, you know, other circumstances. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I'm glad you actually brought up the, uh, the defensive front first, because it's, it's certainly, I would say, their strength and headlining that is Khalil Mack. But a few other players, I mean, they've spent some big money on, uh, excuse me, Robert Quinn this offseason. Uh, but the interior also, Akeem Hicks has always been uh, a fascinating player. I mean, he's certainly been good. I mean that in a good way. Uh, but next to him, you know, Bilal Nichols had a pretty good game against Tampa. Uh, and they've had a steady rotation there. Speaking specifically about the front four, what is it about them that makes them so good? Is it just their ability to be versatile in the pass and run game. Uh, because when you talk about Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, those guys, not only are they really good pass rushers, but they defend the run fairly well too. 
So Mac is exceptional against the run. Um, you know, I think he uh, it might be like that one of the highest graded edge rushers against the run as well as the pass this year. He's always been good at it, but this year in particular, it's off the chart so far how good he's been uh, setting the edge. And I think that's actually because Leonard Floyd was the was the great run defender edge previously. And Bob Quinn actually is not particularly known um, for his run defending prowess. Uh, that might be putting it kindly for, for old Bob Quinn. Uh, and so far with the Bears, uh, he's, he's really not even playing a lot of run, running downs. He's playing like 35% of snaps. He's really coming in to just pin his ears back and rush the passer. Um, but the versatility with Mac and then, yeah, Akeem Hicks might be the most, maybe not with the injury last year, but, you know, 2018 and, and 2017 and 2019 before he got hurt, he may have been the most underrated player in the NFL. Um, yeah, that could be my Chicago Bears bias speaking a little bit, but the guy's incredible um, in, in both defending the run and, and against the pass. And I think those two guys, um, you can kind of scheme other people around them, but if those two guys are healthy and, and firing on all cylinders, like it's a, it's a nightmare for defense, for offensive lines, excuse me, uh, to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's fairly interesting to me looking at your linebacking group, um, Roquan Smith, he hasn't had the best season and, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like in some ways he's a little underperformed his draft spot. What has your been your impression of him since he's entered the league? Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. Um, you know, I, I have said before, I, you know, I don't want to say we have to compare him to like a Luke Keekley, like every other, you know, extremely highly drafted uh, linebacker, but you know, he's developing into a, a solid and a, and a nice NFL linebacker, which when you're taking a guy top 10 at, at off-ball linebacker is, is an awful pick, right? Like, he is a good player. I think he's probably going to be the Bears' signal caller on defense for the next decade. Like, he's he's now taking over play-calling duties from Danny Trevathan. They're kind of giving him more responsibility. Um, he has looked better. I would say coverage was the area I was most concerned with him because, um, obviously, in my opinion, I, I think that matters the most. Um, and he has gotten better there for sure. But, you know, you take a guy eighth overall at, at inside linebacker, he still can't really shed blocks. Um, and, and so, you know, the Eddie Goldman absence is terrible for Roquan. I mean, he's useless in run defense sometimes because he's basically just – as soon as a guy gets his hands on him, he's out of the play. Um, but, again, you know, sideline to sideline, he, he's, he's a devil. He's fast as can be. Um, and, and, yeah, the coverage has definitely improved. But I just really need to see more uh, to be excited about the pick, to be happy with the pick. Right. And it's a big season because, I mean, the, you know, the fifth-year option decision, um, which is now going forward fully guaranteed, right, when you, you, know, you exercise it, you know, that decision for him is after this offseason. And based on the you know, two and a half years of his play so far, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't pick it up. Um, it's probably cheap, so I guess maybe I would for an inside linebacker. But, but basically, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he hasn't really lit the world on fire, and you'd hope to see a really good player if you're going to take that position that high. No, I mean, I certainly agree with you. I'm just even if you look at some of the other linebackers taking top ten in the last couple of years, uh, Devin White, uh, Deion Bush in Pittsburgh. I mean, it's debatable which one of those, like how you'd stack them up. But I would say certainly that Devin White has made uh, you know much more of an impact in my eyes, at least for Tampa, than uh, Roquan with Chicago. But obviously, things can change, and uh, Smith did show at Georgia. Uh, playing in a very complex scheme that he did get better over time. So um, maybe that, you know, continues to trend upwards for him. Um, looking at your secondary now, uh, you know, Fuller is the big name. You know, he's 
got paid a lot of money a few seasons ago. Uh, he's the one who travels a lot with opponents. Or actually, I should probably ask you this. What's the situation with the cornerbacks? Do they Does a guy like Kyle Fuller usually travel with number ones? Or does he usually just stay on one side uh, like you see some other defenses? Yeah, so both cornerbacks are, are generally going to stay on their side. Um, and honestly, it's early, and he, he probably had one of his worst games this past week. But, I mean, if any cornerback is going to be following and shadowing number ones going forward, it's probably going to be Jalen Johnson, uh, the Bears' second-round pick this year, who's been phenomenal so far. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're not going to see them shadow. They, they tend to stay on their side. Um, and then with, you know, Buster's grind in the slot, and, and they tend to just kind of stick on their, you know, their side of the field. Right, right. I mean, yeah, Johnson, I was a huge fan of him coming out of Utah. And, um, you know, I was happy to see him go to a franchise like the Bears where uh, defensively, at least, they, they really put their players in the right position. Uh, the, the safety position, though, it's interesting because you guys went out and signed Tayshawn Gibson, uh, who's had a pretty decent career in the NFL. Uh, but a few other uh, – Eddie Jackson, he's the name – According to some of his grading, it looks like he's um, had a pretty down season, but we know what he can do. What's the situation like with how they uh, Pagano likes to deploy the safeties? Is it they like to have rotation uh, between the box and deep, or does he like to have both of those guys deep? What do you see right now, uh, depending on how they deploy them, those two? Yeah, so, yeah, I did notice as well Jackson hasn't, you know, particularly graded as well as, you know, we, we've come to expect from him in, in years past. Um, I think he has um, made a couple, I guess, like like largely negative plays, which I think cancels out a lot of um, the positives he does. But I, I do think in some ways it's kind of the player he is, um, or that's kind of like I, I should say, that's kind of how sometimes they want him to act, you know, kind of a boomer bust you know, basically interception or unfortunately give up a big uh, completion. Um, so I think it could be some of that in there. And that over the course of the season, I think that'll probably level out because I don't think he's played, you know, any worse than, and again, we've come to expect Eddie Jackson. He's, he's everywhere. He, I still think he does already have a big pick and he actually had a, an incredible pick six that got called back for a penalty, which, which um, this is strongly unbiased. It was not a penalty. So, so he should have, you know, his numbers should look even better. Um, but I, I do think they, they're going back to with Gibson um, more of how they used to use Jackson opposite Am- uh, Adrian Amos. Right. So two years ago, you know, before he went to Green Bay, and then they replaced him with with Haha Clinton Dix. So Amos can play more in the box. He's a bit boxier, much better against the run. Um, and Gibson, though he traditionally was more of a free safety over the course of his career, um, you know, in his older age, and I think the last couple of years in Houston, um, you know, he's 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 moved down a bit more and played more snaps down below. And I think you're seeing that, but but it is still a tandem. Um, you know, it's not it's not just single high with Eddie floating back there. You're you're seeing some too high or a good amount of too high from them as well. Um, I mean, Pagano. The big thing with Pagano is that even mm. before he was a defensive coordinator, he was a, a DBs coach. So right, right. He deploys DBs like I honestly have never seen. <laughs> um, uh, and like I mentioned before, nickel, dime, big dime, big nickel, whatever you want to call it, it's everything. So, <laughs> Sure. I mean, that's, that's certainly a fascinating point, too. And, I mean, just to give you – I mean, you, you and I can go back and forth here, but, I mean, the Panthers' offense has been relatively efficient this year. Uh, so I don't really think it matters where the corners line up or how they rotate and disguise pressure because 
judging based on what I've seen, they line up Robbie Anderson sometimes in the slot and they line him outside. And the same thing with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's strengths are right now intermediate to short passes. You know, at times when he does come off play action, he can certainly you know throw an accurate deep ball. Um, but I mean, that's obviously not a strength of his. So I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be uh, pretty interesting to follow that development. And and Mike Davis, I mean, he's he's played pretty well. I, and you know, one thing that surprised me is it's not just necessarily the fact that he's running through um, a decent hole and that the scheme is creating avenues for him. He's also running off contact really, really well. He's essentially like a bowling ball. He's creating his own yards after contact and avoiding negative plays. So. I, I don't know. This is going to be probably the matchup to watch is how Joe Brady goes against Chuck Pagano. I agree 100%. I think it's going to be a great test. I'll be honest. I, I am extremely impressed uh, with the Panthers as, as, as a whole. And I did. I like Teddy as an individual. I like the Robbie Anderson signing. Um, but I, I really didn't think that like they, they would – get everything on the same page. And I also didn't like the offensive line. So I thought maybe the thing that would hold them back was, you know, they don't have time to do anything. So even though I liked a lot of the weapons, it maybe wouldn't have mattered. But so mm-hmm. far, they really are. I mean, they, they've looked really impressive. Joe Brady, I mean, geez, <laughs> how talented must that guy be? Um, but yeah, it, it's a great test for the Panthers. And I think it's going to be particularly for the offensive line. I mean, if they can hold up and, and keep Teddy upright against this defensive line, then I'm, I'm going to stop doubting that this, this offense can move the ball against anyone because, um, you know, like, like I said, I like all the weapons and everyone, once you get the ball in any of those guys' hands, I even, I love how they use Curtis Samuel as a backfield like five or six times last Sunday. I thought that was awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they are, they are diverse in, in how they deploy everybody and they have a ton of talent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, this guy could be the limit, but I think it's going to be fun to see how they, how they play against a, you know, a really good defensive front that maybe challenges them, you know, getting the ball out in the first place. No, I mean, you make a good point. I, I was certainly skeptical of how the offensive line would look. Taylor Moton, I have no issues with him. I mean, he's a fantastic right tackle. He's been reliable every time he's been on the field. Even Russell Okung, I thought if he was healthy enough and that was a big issue, I mean, I had issues with the trade itself and that's a separate discussion about their team building. But yeah, as far as his overall play, I was relatively fine with him coming in. It's certainly been probably one of their best left tackles since Jordan Gross retired, which speaks to the issues that this team has had at that position. And the interior of the offense line, they paid Matt Paradis a lot of money in, off, in 2019. He didn't look great last year, but I think this year, especially in pass protection, he's, he's certainly shown uh, that he can hold up well. And John Miller, another guy that they signed off um, you know, for relatively cheap money, Cincinnati cut him, and he's been pretty decent at right guard. But left guard is an issue for them. Chris Reed hasn't been very good. So I'll be curious to see if Chicago likes to run a lot of stunts on his side to get him moving and uh, try to react quicker uh, because he is a weak link on the offensive line. And and to your point, yes, I've also been a little surprised, but I think this week it, it gives them a good a barometer of where they are. A lot of people are saying the Cardinals and the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the uh, Falcons don't really offer a good data point on how good this team is. And I mean, yes, but not many people had the Panthers winning uh, three of their first five either. So I think it just 
it's just who you have to play on the schedule for now. And Chicago certainly presents a good opportunity to see where they are. Um, but what I want to close with here is, you know, a, a full prediction from you. And we have Bet Online, our sponsored, or excuse me, we have Blue Wire, our sponsored by Bet Online. And currently they have the game as a pick 'em, which essentially means it's no one's favored at this moment in time. And I guess you could say Chicago will be favored on a neutral field. Uh, how do you see this game playing out overall? You know, I do think, um, I, I don't know. I, I really do want to stick with my kind of original prediction. I'm trying not to respond maybe to, you know, a small sample size of games so far. I, I, I think the Chicago Bears are the better team in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that because home field advantage is kind of taken away, um, yeah, I mean, a pick is fair, but, like, if you told me, bef- you know, before week one what I thought this line would be, even without me knowing who, who the hell was playing quarterback for the Bears, I probably would have said, yeah, I still think the Bears are laying a field goal, you know, on the road, something like that. So, you know, for it to be a pick um, with them coming off of, you know, a big win and extra rest, um, you know, it, it's a testament to how, how good the Panthers have looked. But I just think that <laughs> – if the Bears can score, which I think against this defense they can, and actually build a lead for, for a change, then I think that the edge rushers are just going to tee off. Um, and, and I love Taylor Moten. I think he's a great player. But, I, you know, whoever uh, – is it, is it Okung? Is he playing? Um, Okung's on the left tackle, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so I mean, yeah, the, the tackles are both solid. But I, I just think if they, if they can score – if this team can score, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for them to lose games. And I think they're going to be so excited – Coming off of Colts and Bucks, two of the better defenses in the NFL, uh, I think they have to move the ball this week. Um, I don't know. I, it's just – that's kind of how I see it. I, I would say uh, maybe a 34-24 um, Bears type score. Not a blowout or anything. I, I just think that they have to show that they're a real team in this game. Yeah. I, I mean, like you've – like I said at the beginning, the Bears have so far not really put together a full, complete game. Uh, so this might be their first opportunity to do that. And certainly they haven't had an easy schedule. I don't want to take that away from them. First week on the road in, in Detroit, I guess you can say, or at least in their first two weeks, Detroit and New York probably aren't the toughest matchups. But Atlanta is still a decent team, um, you know, despite their record. Uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm probably leaning towards taking Carolina here just because I, I feel pretty strongly that, you know, they found out how to get their guys in the right position, especially on defense. I think a lot of people have, in, in some respects, they knew that Joe Brady would be a pretty good coordinator and play caller in this league. They saw him do it at LSU. Um, so a lot of people were excited by that hire, but not many people mentioned or they had a lot of reservations about this defense, and I certainly don't want to take anything away. It's not a defense that has a lot of talent. Let's be clear about that. I mean, Brian Burns certainly is one player that I think the consensus is that he's probably their best player in defense, and I would not disagree with that. But looking elsewhere on defense, the cornerbacks, the secondary, as a whole, and the linebackers, the linebackers are not very good. Shaq Thompson is a decent player. He got paid a lot of money, but he is not a guy – um, in my mind, that should be paid top five linebacker money, which is what he is. And then Tahir Whitehead is not good at all. Uh, but even just the interior of the defensive line is an issue, especially rushing the passer. So I trust that their uh, coaches will put the players in the right position. Um, I mean, the Panthers are allowing 
somewhere between seven to 10,000 fans. I don't think it makes too much of a difference, but uh, maybe it does. I don't know. But I, I oh, think I didn't that, know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, against the Cardinals, they had about 7,000 fans. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it didn't really seem to be too much of an issue against them, but who knows? You, you never know. I mean, I, I do think a lot of – I've heard from other people, uh, journalists who have been at some of these games where they say that even just like five to 10,000 fans making noise makes a little difference. I don't know how that matters, but <laughs> – yeah, it's going to be a good game, though. I mean, I think I do think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think Chicago's defense is obviously the strongest unit out of all four units that we're looking at here. So if they can take the game into their hands and really just, you know, contain the Carolina's offense, then I, I think Chicago has a good chance to control the game and win handily. But if they don't, then... If Carolina starts moving the ball efficiently, like they have, uh, you know, at times this year, they've really struggled in the red zone. So we'll, we'll see, you know, how that portion of the game plays out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that they are phenomenally coached. Clearly, Matt Rule um, and Joe Brady. I mean, they, they know what they're doing as a staff. That was, you know, a great hire and all that. So. Yeah, if they're being coached up, and if you know they're putting guys in position to succeed, then you know, defenses can play above their talent level, you know, as, as a collective unit. That absolutely is a thing. So if, if that happens, then, yeah, it's definitely going to be a game, and Carolina has every every chance or, you know, possibility to take it. I mean, Teddy came in – Teddy Bridgewater came into Chicago last year at, with the Saints. They were missing, I want to say, Michael Thomas, um, Jared Cook, Mario Davis, a starting offensive lineman, and, like, multiple guys on defense as well. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater proceeded to kick the Bears' ass uh, in Chicago. So – um he's done it uh you know he, he obviously um knows the team well played him just last year so yeah it definitely could be a great game yeah definitely so brad is there anything you want to plug before you head off for the evening well i appreciate you now you can just uh follow me on twitter at pff underscore brad um i'm putting out contact uh, content related to contract salary cap um, you know, for all teams, I know, you know, I came on as a Bears representative, but talking full, full scope of the NFL, um, anything to do with that trades, you know, Le'Veon Bell signing with the Chiefs, uh, trade deadlines coming up soon. So, so anything like that, just give me a follow at PFF underscore Brad and I try to answer, you know, as many questions as possible. And, and yeah. Yeah, I can certainly attest that Brad has always been pretty transparent and uh, very respectful for anyone who's asking questions. So if you want to give him a follow at PFF underscore Brad. He does a great job covering the league as a whole, but um, you know, focusing on the Bears too. He's certainly one of the more rational Bears fans. I know Bears fans can get <laughs> mad at you sometimes for being rational, but uh, some great work there. Brad, thank you again for joining us this evening. Thank you for having, having me. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.